Imagine, the universe is your playground. Anywhere is possible. Imagine having all of space at your fingertips, but that's just the start. Anywhere, any time, forwards, backwards, it's all possible. Ladies, gentlemen, Raxacoracophalopatorians, lend me your ears as I, Pat Dav, take you on a journey through all of time and space. Wait, 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 hold up. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, Aaron, you poor uninitiated soul. You have no idea what you are in for. In for? Isn't this just a TV show? TV show? Pfft. No, it's a way of life. You will be my trusty companion on this adventure, as I take you, an uncultured American, through the wacky and wonderful world of Doctor Who. Welcome to New to Who. Alright, so welcome back, Aaron. We have encountered our very first two-part episode of New Who. Now, most episodes back in old Doctor Who, in classic Doctor Who, from Doctors 1 through 7, uh, were often multi-part episodes. Often they'd probably have three, maybe five arcs over a season that were all several parts. But uh, now we have many more one-contained episodes and the occasional multi-parts. How did you feel about an episode running multi-parts? So, I don't think this episode needed a multi-part. I think this episode would have done just fine with uh, one part, but um, it did end on a cliff a cliffhanger that made me want to flip right into episode five. So I guess that would be the whole point yeah, it, of a two parter. Yeah, and these episodes did really, really well in the TV ratings. And funnily enough, the second part actually drew a higher rating than uh, than the first part. So what I'm, I'm assuming then is a lot of people watched the first part and then went and told their friends, you're going to need to make sure to yeah. watch the second part. And the second part does move at a swifter pace than the first part. Yeah, the first part is like, I guess, trying to build suspense for the big reveal of what the alien actually is. Like, that's the whole aim of the first episode to be like, what is this alien? What's it going to look like? Um, and it's kind of this mystery locked in a lab type thing. Because... Uh, We'll get to it in a moment, but it's, it's slow, 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 slow. Second part, bam, we're moving super fast. In case you are unaware, we are talking about episodes four and five of the first season, Aliens of London and World War III, uh, both written by Russell T. Davis, lead writer for Doctor Who, and directed by Keith Boak. Uh, he only directed these two episodes and the pilot for Doctor Who, and uh, those were the only three episodes he, he directed for the series. Uh, all set in in quotes, modern day London, uh, however, mostly filmed in Cardiff. Um, in fact, this uh, episode, these two episodes are the last uh, Doctor Who episodes to be filmed in the famed BBC television centre that used to be in London, a very iconic building uh, for anyone in the UK, but probably lost on you. Yeah, there's there were several uh, British references that were lost on me that I probably... I'm going to need to brush up on some things before <laughs> I move forward. Uh, I, di I didn't know what Downey Street meant. I, that didn't make any sense to me. Okay, so Downing Street's where the Prime Minister lived, but also where, like, 
the cabinet, like the high, so where the minister of defense, the chancellor, like all the high ranking government officials meet with the prime minister. It's kind of like the meeting place for the government that isn't the House of Commons. So it's like for meetings, but not for like actual passing legislation and stuff like that. And the prime minister also lives there. So, like, does he has neighbors and stuff? Like, this is a normal street? Uh, I mean, not really. It's technically a street, but, like, 10 Downing Street's kind of a building onto it itself. Think of it as the White House. Okay. And um, I, why is it all of, in and this is just my observation from movies and TV, why is it all London streets look like, uh, two two one B Baker Street. Why is that? Just <laughs> is that what they're going for? All of them very wh- white houses, black wrought iron, similar doors, similar. Er- and I, I'm, I didn't. I'm like, I don't get it. Is it? Is this a I guess. super popular design that everyone decided to go with? Yeah, I guess. I think they were all built around the same time, kind of like early Victorian era. It was kind of the in vogue house design at the time. Uh, yeah, they do. Now that you mention it, that 221 Baker Street and Downing Street all kind of look the same. You're right. That is weird. Yeah, I, I <sighs> even uh, I googled the the Downing Street scene from this episode and put it right up next to the Sherlock uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. And I was like, it's the same street. It's the cobblestone, the whole deal. Um, I will say, uh, although the, the first part of this does move really slow... It, it does grab your attention at the very beginning because anytime a flying saucer is going to run into a famous landmark, uh, you have my attention, sir. <laughs> yes, I, I know you've said you're a big fan of the old like campy sci-fi movies where like you can see the string of the UFO, but it flies into the Statue of Liberty or the Capitol building or, or something like that. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up, my dad would let us watch such such wonderful sci-fi classics as the attack of the killer shrews um <laughs> which are uh little dogs in fur suits um let's say uh, voyage to the prehistoric planet um invasion of the body snatchers was a personal favorite but it actually like it's it's well respected as far as uh you know classic sci-fi goes so you know we watched a lot of that uh drive-in style stuff because back in the day uh boys and girls, which I, let me pretend like I'm 75, (laughs) but back in the day, you go to a drive-in, you'd have one good movie and one really bad movie. And they were always like, you know, Invasion of the Blob or Journey to a Prehistoric Planet. So that, that flying saucer crashing into uh, Big Ben is very reminiscent of a lot of American 50s and 60s flicks where the aliens crashing into Washington D.C. and you've got the the George Washington monuments right there, or Statue of Liberty, or San Francisco, and it's going into the bay right by the Golden Gate Bridge. So uh, I thought, oh well, that I don't know if that's a big thing, like in the '50s and '60s movies in the U.K. for a UFO to crash land at famous landmarks, but it it does kind of give you the impression of like, okay, this is this is going to be campy, so buckle up, yeah. people. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you wouldn't be wrong in saying there was some definite invasion of the body snatchers energy coming from the villains in this episode. Uh, But we will get to that. Remember, spoilers for these episodes are upcoming. So if we recommend you watch the episodes along with us on this podcast, they're available on iPlayer in the UK, which is free as long as you have a TV license. And of course, on HBO Max in the US. So 
let's start with Aliens of London. Quick side note before we get into this too. Uh, usually we would do a two-part, two episodes for a two-parter, but we feel like this episode doesn't have enough substance to get, to get two parts out of, so we're just going to do a slightly longer one episode to cover both parts. Yeah, we didn't think so, it'd be a good idea for you to listen to Pat and I try to somehow pull and prod and poke two episodes out of this one, so <laughs> we're just going to do it as one. Yeah, there will be some two-parters that require two episodes, but for now, this one will be one. So, Aliens of London starts off with the Doctor and Rose returning to London, supposedly 12 hours after they left, after the pilot. However, the Doctor made a gross miscalculation and realises, after finding missing posters of Rose all throughout the district, that they'd actually been gone 12 months and Rose has returned after being missing for a year, much to her mother Jackie and boyfriend Mickey's shock and terror. Yeah, you uh, you quickly realize math, not the strongest subject for the doctor. And <laughs> uh, in the true doctor fashion, he acts kind of like, oops. It's like, bro, no, there's no oops here. Like, her boyfriend has been framed for murder and investigated <laughs> for 12 months and living with guilt and is her mother blaming him? And he's like, yeah, that's my bad. No, a little too flippant for me at the beginning. Yeah, that's very, that's very the doctor to be, to be very like, oh, silly me. Just like wrecked the whole, like, couple of people's lives. Um, So, yeah, they, they. They all have a go at the doctor. The police investigate the doctor a little bit, and he's like, "Okay, so what's the deal?" And they're like, "Oh, we were just traveling. He was, she was my traveling companion." And the policeman's like, "The policeman's essentially you." Where he says, "Was there something sexual going on here?" Uh, and they're both like, "No," but you probably would have been like, "I don't believe you." Well, especially since the old boyfriend calls him her new boyfriend at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Uh, And so, like, very, you know, early on, you realize. And then, you know, there's several references that even Rose's mother notices some sort of chemistry there through this whole thing. Yeah. It's... it's, 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 uh, (laughs) um, And then to go get some air, the Doctor and Rose uh, go outside and say, oh, well, the Doctor says, hey, this is the best part where nothing's going on. Like, this is the best part. This is where you get to live your life, you know? And then all of a sudden, an alien spaceship flies out of nowhere, passes overhead, crashes right into Big Ben, and uh, lands in the River Thames. And the Doctor immediately lights up and is like, oh, fantastic, and uh, runs to try and see what's going on. However, the whole scene is blocked off by the army, as it probably would be. The Rose says, can we get the TARDIS over there? And the Doctor says, no, we've already got one spaceship slap bang in the middle of London. We can't add a second. Uh, We're just going to have to see what's going on from TV. Yeah, that was very weird to me. Um, Every other episode, he's been running just like straight into danger, just ready to to tackle it, ready to get his nose in the business of whatever it is. And this one, he's just kind of like, oh, well, so shucks, won't be able to. Get in close to this. We'll have to watch it from TV. Yeah, it's it's weird as well because he he claims that the TARDIS is a brilliant disguise as well. Like it blends in with current day London. He he so proclaims, but then he's like, oh, but we can't risk flying it in somewhere. Well, and the graffiti 
that um, appears on the TARDIS at the beginning of the episode will tell you that the doctor from here on should be more careful about where he parks that <laughs> TARDIS because it didn't look like it blended in at all in that parking lot, parking garage thing uh, ended up with a little uh, a little decoration courtesy of a spray yeah. can. Yeah, the bad wolf graffiti. Still don't know Does what that, mean that means. I have no idea what that means. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to tell me what that means? <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you. Nobody tell okay. him. Nobody tell him. Uh, uh, I mean, it's Bad Wolf. I mean, so it means absolutely nothing to you. You haven't picked up any any other Bad Wolves along the way. No, but now I'm intrigued. Well, I'll just leave it there for now. And uh, so they try and watch TV. Uh, doesn't They don't really seem to get too much from it other than the Prime Minister is, is missing. And... Um, and that, you know, several other cabinet ministers are turning up to try and replace him, I guess. Um, we then find out, of course, that uh, the government ministers that have been turning up, like the head of the army and I think the minister for transport, yeah, are rather large. Yeah, very weird that I, I didn't catch on to it at first, but every one of them are big people that are really out of shape. And I, I was like, what? I, I mean, I know politicians aren't necessarily known for being the most fit people, but everyone's an overeater. <laughs> uh, they all turn up and turns out that uh, things are not quite as it seems with them. Uh, they seem to be acting rather strangely um, as the Minister for Transport gets to become acting Prime Minister because of the absence of literally everyone else on the cabinet. Um, the Doctor fa- says, oh, well... Uh, there's nothing we can do, I guess. I'll just go get some air. And Rose is like, you're not going to go investigate, are you? And the doctor's like, no, definitely not. Definitely not going to do that. You go celebrate because apparently everyone in the block of flats is having a party because of the alien spaceship crash landing, which is definitely a thing people in the UK would do. I've got to admit, it's something we would do. Yeah, this is a a far cry from Independence Day uh, where (laughs) people just start running for the hills. Uh, Everyone in this episode is just super excited to to have the aliens take them away and um can we is this a good time to talk about why why do the aliens have to fart and why does no one call them out is that just like stereotypical british being polite yeah it is literally that where they're they're looking a bit like "Mm, i want to talk to you about this but I, i i can't face confrontation yeah that would never happen here ever that really? Would, would you be like, yo, dude, stop farting? Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I would at least oh. offer him a Tums or something. <laughs> I don't know. In the UK, yeah, we just hate confrontation. So no matter how rude or awkward the person's being, we'll just like keep it to ourselves and just look a bit disheveled. Well, and then and they even kept saying like, oh, that feels better. Oh, that's so good. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> is going on uh i will say being introduced to uh harriet jones at the beginning yes i don't know where else i know her from she has to have been in something else she seems familiar to me have you seen sean of the dead yes okay she is sean's mom in sean of the dead she's fantastic she's such sweet yeah she's a sweetie she's so good at playing like the mumsy character yes i feel like she'd bake you cookies and just she's so amazing i loved her through the whole episode harriet jones mp for flydale north yes she's trying to pass some very innocent 
hospital bill through despite being a humble backbench politician without much sway. Uh, she is dismissed by the Minister for Transport saying, there's an alien crash landing, we've got more important things to do. Also, I missed this the first couple times I watched it through, but on this pastime, they do confirm that uh, even in this fictional Doctor Who universe, Tony Blair was Prime Minister uh, because Harriet Jones makes a flippant line saying, I'm not one of Blair's babes. Um, ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't can't pick up on that either. And in researching uh, for this podcast, I also found out that um, they did hire, they did scout out a body double for Tony Blair to play a corpse when they reveal that the Prime Minister is in fact dead, but they got a, a swift cease and desist from the BBC to have a dead Tony Blair on on screen. Another thing that would never happen here, like you would just be like, we're going to have a Obama lookalike. Okay. Sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. we don't care as much. Yeah, it's it's like, it's so straight. I guess I understand why they might be like, the current prime minister, the one we have right now, you want to have a corpse <laughs> of him on screen. Yeah, okay. It would be, uh, be a little risque. Yeah, also this episode came out, you know, just a year or two after the Iraq war where Tony Blair was not particularly popular. What? Um, I can't imagine why we weren't going through yeah. anything like that here. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we find Harriet Jones as she's trying, she thinks something fishy is also going on with the missing cabinet ministers and the minister for transport being the prime minister now and uh, suddenly being such good buddies with some other lady and the like head of the army. Uh, the doctor then sneaks his way into a hospital laboratory type thing where a scientist is investigating an alien uh it then springs to life and smacks the scientist in the face and goes for a run the doctor chases it down uh it turns out to be a little like half pig half human thing he tries to chase it down and to catch it but unfortunately it is shot by the army a couple observations there first of all why is it no one can ever leave um, things alone that are making weird noises? Like there's something inside of this fridge, more more thing. Don't open the door. Why? Why everybody got to always open the door? And then um, second of all, when it turned out to be a pig, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was really hard for me to want to continue to watching the episode because I was <laughs> like, you guys are really gonna mail this in. As a pig being the, like, and then when he figured out, like, it's, okay, this can't be it because it's an actual real pig. I was, mm -hmm. I was back in, uh, but you do feel bad. Like, like that, this is the, this is the first, one of the first times where the British police are not particularly portrayed as smart in this episode, which I could have done without. I respect <laughs> all members of law enforcement, but just shoots that pig just dead right there in the hallway. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that the army would respond that way. They see a thing running towards it and they're like, quick, shoot it. But, like, who knows? Who knows? I mean, they do shoot it. The doctor says, oh, you assholes. He, he, was, he, he was just scared. He was just a pig that got, like, some brain chips in it so it could walk around. Like, you do feel bad. just a pig. You really quickly feel really bad for this poor pig, who I'm sure was just enjoying a life out on the farm. He was abducted. Yeah. He had nothing to do with this at all. Yeah, poor pig. Can we have a moment of silence for the pig? A moment of silence for the pig. 
Okay, so uh, okay. <laughs> other options. The doctor then discovers. Oh, go on, go on. You go first. Um, yeah. I... No, go ahead. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait to talk so about the, doctor... the real aliens until we get to the real aliens. Okay, so the doctor discovers that you know the 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 pig is in fact a decoy used to try and distract from something else and that deepens the mysteries like why would they want a distraction like maybe the whole crash landing was a distraction i wonder what's going on um so they then uh he then heads back to rose and was like hey you said you wouldn't go running off and he was like well sorry about that well i think we need to go investigate a bit more but before they can the army close in and surround him and say Hey, hands up, you're surrounded. The doctor says, take me to your leader. I always wanted to say that. And um, they then get taxied off uh, to 10 Downing Street because they are gathering the world's most renowned scientists on extraterrestrial activity. Yeah, he like uses it like a paparazzi moment. He's like waving and pointing and (laughs) smiling for the cameras. And, you know, British tabloids are, they're ruthless. So, uh, you know, he was... Definitely taking his his uh, his reputation into his own hands there. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention a quick fun fact. When the Doctor was chasing the pig down the corridor, that was the first scene Christopher Eccleston filmed uh, as the Doctor. Wonder why they decided to pick that one. They were just like, we're going to yeah, break this you, guy in with this episode pig Episode four. Okay. Yeah, episode yeah. four, you can start there with a random run down a corridor. I mean... There's a lot of running down corridors in Doctor Who, so maybe we're like, we need to see how well he can handle it. There is a lot of running in this show. Just in general, tons of running. you got to be in shape to be in Doctor Who, i got to tell you. Um, so yeah, they turn up in 10 Downing Street. They meet, they rendezvous with Harriet Jones, um, who volunteers to look after Rose while the Doctor goes into the very important confidential government, government meeting about the aliens. Uh, how... And during that time, Harriet Jones and Rose are cornered by the alien who will reveal themselves in just a short minute. And while the doctor is in the government meeting, the Minister for Transport thanks everyone in the meeting for wearing their ID cards. It would help them identify the body. And um, then presses a switch where the ID cards are actually electric collars of some description that kill all the uh, experts stone dead while he and the minister for the army and the woman that corners Harriet Jones and Rose unzip their heads and slip out of their skin suits to reveal that they are big, green, alien things with massive claws known as the Slitheen. And while the doctor is being electrocuted, Rose and Harriet Jones are cornered. Oh, and Jackie is also cornered by a police officer who is also a Slitheen in her apartment. We get to our first cliffhanger. Yeah, and it was at this point that I I realized I have pretty mixed feelings about the aliens. Um, so there's two versions of the aliens in this episode. There is the what kind of like a Jim Henson, um, dark yeah. crystal type thing, and they look really good. Like they fit, mm. they fit it that they should be physical and kind of awkward and. But then there's the CG uh, aliens who almost are a different thing altogether because they can move incredibly fast. They're incredibly agile. Um, yet the other aliens are are easily evaded. 
yeah, it's really strange. They move super fast while in CG, and then of course the practical costumes cannot cannot do that because they're big, massive foam costumes. So yeah, I thought that was a bit strange as well. Like do one or the other. I agree that they probably should have stayed with the practical effects, um, just because the CG kind of broke the illusion a little. I think I'm with you on that. It it was a weird weird thing. What did you think of the cliffhanger? Were you were you excited? I mean, it serves its purpose. You're going to definitely just go right into episode five. Um, it de- it wasn't enough of a cliffhanger. It, it, what it wasn't was like in the Unquiet Dead where they're in the the dungeon and I really thought they were going to die. That <laughs> doesn't happen in this. But it does do enough to get you to, to just go ahead and do episode five. And I could see it when this was originally aired being that annoyance of, you mean I got to wait another week? To be able to yeah. see what happens. So it served its purpose. Yeah, and I think it kind of came out of nowhere because the first three episodes, all one part contained episodes, and I don't it was never revealed that there was going to be a multi-part episode in the series. So everyone was kind of taken aback and kind of shocked that the, there was a to be continued uh, in this one. Uh, people were annoyed uh, at the presentation of the next time trailer between the two parts. Uh, because the next time trailer um, showed that they do, in fact, escape the situation in the cliffhanger. Um, and people were annoyed about that. So from now on, from this point on, all two part episodes, they do show a next time trailer, but they don't show it till after the credits have completely rolled. Okay. I See, I didn't catch that the first time, so it didn't. But I could see how that would be annoying for sure. Mm hmm. Because hmm. usually they show the next time before the credits, but right. for two-part episodes from here on in, because of those complaints, they uh, put the next time after the credits have rolled, so you have time to switch over if you don't want to see a trailer for the second part. Okay. Yeah. Probably a good decision. Yeah. Uh, the British people love to complain about anything on TV. <laughs> That's okay. We do too, but we, you know, we handle it we've got, much We've louder. got a more... I, yeah, we've got an official body that you can complain to, particularly for the BBC, called Ofcom. And they report all the complaints they get. So if they get a lot of complaints about something, they'll address it like in public. I'm going to assume that, that that department has a lot of high turnover. I can't imagine people <laughs> are like graduating high school going, this is what I want to work at Ofcom. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and some of the complaints they have to handle are so stupid. People will complain about anything. People will be like, I saw him eat a bacon sandwich on morning TV, <laughs> and that's not kosher or whatever. I don't know. Eh, well, you win some, you lose some, right? Or, or you know, I, I the ketchup was dribbling down his chin, and that's definitely not pre-watershed content. I'm sure they get a lot of complaints about, you know, things that wouldn't have happened and you're like, listen, I mean, you're watching a science, sci-fi TV show. The science isn't necessarily supposed <laughs> to be correct. Yeah. Okay, so Aliens of London wrapped up in the books. We move straight on to World War Three, written and directed by the same as Aliens of London in episode four. We leave exactly where we left off after a quick recap of the last episode. The Doctor is a bit stronger than the average human biologically, survives the electric shock and manages to get the ID tag onto the Slovene, shocking him instead. And somehow it passes through their kind of communication device as shocks the rest of the Slovenes across London too, allowing Harriet, Rose and Jackie to all escape. Yeah. It, um, that, that part was actually pretty cool to me. The, 
you know, because I thought maybe maybe he is actually a human and there's going to be some sort of like, you know, ancient alien race thing, maybe. But no, he's definitely not human because uh, he's the only one in the room that survived. Yeah, he managed to eat that electricity like for breakfast and managed to get out of it. Uh, and he runs away and so does Jackie and Harriet. Uh, they all managed to kind of meet up together in a high powered chase scene uh and the doctor tries to warn the army across downing street that the prime minister's an alien and so is the the army general and they're just like yeah sure dude of course he is you raving lunatic uh so they all like threaten to arrest him and the doctor's like oh i could have seen that coming uh so they have to run away again and just when they are about to be cornered uh, the doctor grabs a bottle of pot from the cabinet office and says, I will use the sonic screwdriver to triple the flammability of this pot and cause a massive explosion, killing us all. Uh, it was probably a big load of BS. Uh, he was probably bluffing. I don't know, man. Sonic screwdriver, I've learned, is the be-all, end-all. Um, also, in in what would only be happened in a British television series, alcohol is also now a weapon. Um, <laughs> also, like, during, there's a really, like... Bunch of tension at one point, and they pour a glass of sherry, which yes, I I like okay, that was very British thing to do. Yeah, definitely wouldn't happen here, but okay. And <laughs> um, the doctor manages to hack the controls to the cabinet office and locks it down. Uh, it is rumored that you can lock down the cabinet office to be a nuclear-proof bunker uh, if necessary. So that kind of plays up to those rumors a little bit. Who knows I'm, if it's actually true? I'm sure the conspiracy um, theorists loved that part. Yes, yes, exactly. So, safe for now, uh, the Doctor, Harriet and Rose try to figure out what the Slovene are actually plotting and how they can combat it. Um, they later discover that uh, what they are going to try and do is launch all the nuclear codes across... Well, use the nuclear codes to launch nuclear missiles across the world, causing, essentially, nuclear panic and World War Three. Uh, where the world will probably mutually assure destruction itself and blow itself up with a bunch of nukes, uh, where the Slovene will then use the the leftovers of the planet to sell rock and metal and stuff to other alien races. Yeah, I found it very odd. Um, so the, the acting prime minister basically gets the entire world to, on, on, on just his word, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a giant mothership, it's hovering right above the United Kingdom. And uh, if you don't release the nuclear codes, we're going to die. And and my question is, so no, no one's going to scan the skies <laughs> to make yeah, sure like NASA could have a look, you know, yeah, yeah you know, I don't know, but to, to, it could have been Tony Blair. It could have been Winston Churchill, but I don't think anybody's just taking their word for it. like, Oh, he said it. Okay. Get, get those nuclear launch codes out. And have you ever seen anything happen in politics as fast as the UN is able to assemble everyone and vote that through that quickly. Okay, so this episode also had the first appearance of American News Lady. She appears all the time in this show. Uh, like, who's been like, the world's eyes are on London right now. I found um, it hilarious because it is very much... So, we see the same thing in US TV series whenever they do something that's supposed to be British... It's very mm-hmm. much a like caricature of what mm-hmm. actual would be in you know British. This is very much a caricature. This woman's voice it can be found nowhere in American television news broadcasting, 
but it is it is the antithesis of what American news broadcasting sounds like. So I understood it. And they also just say New York and not New York City wouldn't bother me. People from New York City, though, want to make there a clear distinction that there is New York City is a city surrounded by the rest of New York. Yes, and New York is the state, right? Yes, very, very. But I did find it. I did find it funny, like some generic <laughs> footage of downtown New York City, and then this woman with we've no what channel, no idea what channel she's from, but <sighs> she's uh, she's on air. Yeah, apparent. She appears a lot whenever there's like an episode in the present day, and like something that would happen, like that would get reported on the news happens. She'll appear. Um, it is the same woman every time. And she basically is, I like her because I'm like, oh, it's American TV woman again. Um, but uh, there was plans for her to become a bit more of a player in Doctor Who. Like the Doctor was going to meet her at one point um, and she was going to become a minor player, but those plans were, were scrapped. I liked it either way. I thought it was kind of fun to be sitting on the other side of it. Like, hey, look, <laughs> there's an American. <laughs> Yay. Do, do you think they'd be showing New York or do you not think they would have been talking about Washington? Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's a story that would have that should have come out of Washington, like that would have been yeah. something coming out of like CNN's DC bureau. Yeah. Well, anyway, they're all. Everyone just goes, yeah, okay. Here's all the nuclear codes. So time is very much of the essence. All the rest of the Slovene are being gathered up into Downing Street, and the BBC do a hilarious uh, coverage on this, where Andrew Marr, a famous uh, BBC reporter, plays himself in this, um, and he, um, which is nice. It would be like if, I don't know, Tucker Carlson played himself on on an American TV show. Well, let's not, uh, let's <laughs> maybe, slow maybe down. Maybe not him, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the guy, though, because he's so brutally honest, and he plays it so straight, He's like, so-and-so showed up, and we have no idea why they would be here. And this <laughs> yeah, person like, has oh, showed up. The head of the fishing council is here. I don't oh, know why he's here. But I thought it was here. so funny. I was like, this is... <laughs> and he just stares straight into the camera. He plays it very straight-laced. And um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I had no idea he was a real newscaster. So the fact that he's not an actor by trade, that's he did outstanding. Yeah, Andrew Marr is like one of the lead political correspondents for the BBC. Um, and yeah, he did a fantastic job playing himself. Because you can uh, kind of see sometimes when they'll have people who aren't actors do something where they even tell them to play themselves. It's mm -hmm. watching it, it's very awkward where the, you could tell they're like, okay, so this is the situation. We need you to do this. And they can't figure out a way to make it sound natural. He sounds very natural and hilarious. Yeah, and last point on on the news coverage angle is uh, my parents uh, are both journalists by trade. Uh, one has worked for BBC, one has worked for ITV. Uh, they've both written for British tabloids. And uh, they will always shout at the TV if the news is not on, like if the news or journalists on TV are not presented accurately. If they're like, the news would never look like this. Or like, they would never say this on the news. Like, or there'll never be a headline like that. They get really annoyed. So what did they think um, of this? They thought they like. I think they liked this. I like. I think they liked that Andrew Marr got to do it. I mean, it, it's it's very believable. I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, they mostly get annoyed at crime dramas just because the British press have really strict laws on how to handle crime stories. We don't. But. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. All the all the Slovene gather up, and uh, actually, before that. 
the Jackie and Mickey are attacked by the police officer again, but they discover that the Slovene's weakness is in fact vinegar. And this is where the story went off the rails for me. Um, <laughs> they, 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 the doctor and Harriet and Rose start running through all of. He keeps saying, "Narrow it down." Like they keep, keep they keep giving him facts about the aliens, and then saying, "Narrow it down." And then yeah. something about gas and calcium, and then uh, what we say, uh, uh, what's that? Not Napoleon, but. Uh, some other guy this is how he invaded the alps vinegar and i was like <laughs> what it's such like kind of sherlocky but just like kind of science fiction mumbo jumbo that happens a lot in doctor who just like let's f- use some science fiction mumbo jumbo that doesn't really mean anything to like come up with a solution yeah yeah because you like a lot of times like especially in like sherlock you're 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 shocked and amazed by the conclusion he comes to, but you can follow the trail. And that's the part of the, why you, that shows so much fun is because you think, Oh, I, if I could just learn that I could do that. Well, you couldn't, but you can understand the logic. I had no idea what was going on through that entire scene. And then all of a sudden he shouts vinegar. And then she throws pickles at basically at the, at the alien and he blows up. Yep. Really green gooey guts everywhere um it was i that's when the story started to go off the rails for me um it's quickly followed up by my least favorite part of the entire episode which is the boyfriend hacking into british naval intelligence (laughs) i when you put it like that it sounds ridiculous your parents your parents i can sympathize with them on the like yelling at the tv that that's not how that would happen i have a a background in IT. I know white hat hacking, which is the nice way of doing mm-hmm. things that are illegal. There is no chance with a dial-up <laughs> connection in that kid's bedroom, he's hacking into any naval intelligence site anywhere. Um, it also just, it looks so campy, like like a very James Bondish. like, well, here, yeah, look. Like- we can watch the radar. Like, he doesn't have a radar in his room. They don't send that through a connection into a guy's... But I I couldn't You can almost it. picture him putting on sunglasses and being like, I'm in. Yes, it was so awkward. It was almost as awkward as Rose's mom watching the missile, like, coast through the, like, the town. I, I was like, what is going on at this point? Why... <laughs> Why is everything? Are, are you are you trying to just get the episode to conclude? So you're just going to stretch facts. This episode did not that 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 part of it is when I really started to become <laughs> much less interested in what was happening. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. So, like Aaron says, they Mickey the idiot, as uh, as the Doctor calls him, um, hacks in to the British missile system and fires a missile on Downing Street. Um, it, it hits, it blows the whole place up. Uh, luckily, uh, stuck in the nuclear poof bunker, Harriet Rose and the Doctor survive and emerge from the wreckage. Um, and the day is saved. And what the Doctor gets the graffiti off the, off the TARDIS, and he has a brief conversation with, uh, with Mickey, who 
the doctor says, hey, look, you've kind of earned my trust. Like, I think far more highly of you now because you've done this. Like, I don't think you're quite the idiot I thought you were, which is kind of a big moment for the doctor. The doctor doesn't do that often. Yeah, you you uh, you really start to almost sympathize with Mickey and the doctor ends up looking like the jackass at the end of this episode. And but he look, a good way. He takes the humble pie. Yeah, he, yes. ta- he, he takes it humbly. Like he accepts that he was a, he was wrong, and he even offers Mickey. He says, "Hey, do you want to come with? Like, if you want, you can come with." And Mickey says, "Nah, I hate this. Let's never do that again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And then, but he goes, "Oh, but don't tell Rose I'm too chicken though." So when Rose is like, "Oh, come with," the doctor's like, "No, he cannot. I f- I forbid it," and kind of takes the cover for him, which is kind of a sweet moment. So the doctor takes cover for Mickey and says, oh, I will never, I will never allow it and kind of makes it so that Mickey doesn't have to admit he's too scared to go on an adventure. Yeah. The tension that's through most of the episode between the two of them, um, I enjoyed I, I the like, oh, I'm the old boyfriend. You're the new boyfriend. I'm not really her boyfriend. Yeah. Everyone else sees it, but you that like kind of tension. And then towards the end, the mutual respect uh, was interesting. I'm also I had my fingers crossed that Harriet Jones makes an appearance in this series again. Well, one can only hope that Harriet Jones turns up again, the MP for Flydale North. She does emerge kind of in a in in a swath of glory um, and is seen very highly as, as, you know, emerging from Downing, the only MP emerging from Downing Street. Yeah. And uh, the, the Doctor also gives Mickey a, a CD saying, hey, use this, it'll wipe all your criminal records or something like that. Another another one of the things that used to happen in old spy movies that still to this day annoys me. It's like, here's this flash drive or this disc and this will make it all go away. That doesn't happen, but it's okay. No. Um, overall, for me, and this is where I'm hope this is going to be one of those episodes where I think we're going to get feedback through social media People are going to say I'm dead wrong about this episode. But um, I I did enjoy that it returned to like the cheesier style. Um, Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that. But I did not. I don't think it needed two episodes, first of all. Sure. Uh, I think it could have definitely been covered in one without much effort. Um, I'm a sucker for good flying saucers, so that makes it a Mm -hmm. fun ride. Um, and the interaction and questions posed by Rose's mother to the doctor about if he's going to be able to take care of her do kind of set up something, I think, that is going to be a theme of, is this guy really good for you? Now, you might like him, but f- is this guy really good for you as a person? Because you might not make it through this all the way. Um, but overall, solid couple of episodes. Three out of five TARDISes for me. And I could have given it a two, but the flying saucers make it a three for me. Ooh, almost a two. Yeah, I think three is fine. The one problem I have with with season one is it can never decide a tone of like whether or not the show should be a serious show, like a show to be taken seriously, like a, almost a drama, or if it should be uh, a campy sci-fi show. It always kind of flirts along the line. And this one's definitely far on the campy side. But uh, from here on in, we're about to hit like serious, serious mode, drama mode. And the, seri- the series takes a real turn the corner moment from after this episode. 
Yeah, you're right. It, it almost does kind of have the feel if you took a serious Daniel Craig, James Bond movie and then gave it some Austin Powers flair. And I don't <laughs> think anyone would ever want to see that. So I, I'm glad to hear you say they don't continue with this trend because if, if they continued with this trend, I don't know how that thing ever stayed on air. <laughs> they do do comedy episodes, like episodes that are more playing for fun. They do do that to break up the serious episodes. So it's not like hard hitter after hard hitter. But this, for pretty much this, like from here on in, we're about to hit a string of super interesting, super like compelling episodes. And I'm really excited that we get to revisit mid season one because there's some really special episodes coming up. Cannot wait. Can't wait. So that's going to do it. Did you watch the, the next time episode for episode six, Dalek? Yes, um, that's a much different episode just based on the trailer alone. So I'm mm-hmm. very much it, looking forward to it. It's my favorite episode of season one, so I'm super excited to to talk about it. But you're going to have to tune in next time. So we'll see you then. See ya. And thus concludes our adventure for now. Thanks for being our companion on this episode of New to Who. We hope you enjoyed and will join us again soon. Be sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode and drop me and Aaron a follow on Instagram to get updates and extra show content. You can follow me at goodbrotherpatrick and Aaron over at retroguyokc. You can also find the show on Insta and Facebook over at newtowhopod where we do live shows, giveaways and more. Keep being fantastic and we'll see you next time.